Welcome to the Your Message Received podcast. And now, taking your message to the finish line, your host, John Duffin. Hey folks, John Duffin here, Duffin Media. Welcome back to another episode of Your Message Received. Your Message Received is all things helping you find your business voice. Get what you want, find what you need, drive results forward, improve your relationships, be understood, and get your intended message conveyed. That's what we're driving here to do, and keep checking us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a whole bunch of other places, and we are thrilled to be back. And I've got a great special guest today. I first met Scott at my days at Tribune, and she's got it was 2004. So Scott Angler, husband, father, published author, um, CEO, CFO, trainer, leader to the stars, broadcast news executive, and a bunch of other things. Hey, Scott, welcome. Hey, introduce me anytime, John. <laughs> great to talk to you. It's great. Look, it's great to hear your voice. And I just was like, so I remember, like I said, like starting out. So I'm on the sales side at WPHL TV in Philadelphia and you're on the news side. And that was where most often they never wanted the salespeople to be wandering into the production area. <laughs> and I get that. I fully get it. Because, like, look, I was a groupie in regards to you. And, oh, my God. And if I remember correctly, and Mary Stoker Smith, if I, it was like I would. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I was like. She's in Milwaukee now. Do you know, I was going to ask. I thought that was so. But that, I just remember how cool that was. And you were so I know you as the news guy. And so it, it, it's funny that you having, like I said, between Tribune, Fox, CNN, Business Week, WABC, what have you, have this career. And I've known you now for a longer period of time where that's not you. And so that's one of the things I first wanted to, to ask. So you morph out of a news career, so to speak, go into a company, launch a company, explode into this high-performance training, CEO, CFO, CEB. Well, it's Gartner now, right? So it's now Gartner, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And I can remember, and this is one of the first things I want to ask you. So I remember you were a fairly early proponent as it related to video on social media. So you leave broadcast news, and then I can remember you doing these video presentations on LinkedIn. And I guess it was yeah. CEB at the time. Yeah, and, I rem yeah. and I remember you're delivering like these, at least to me, and I'm embarrassed to say this, extremely technical presentations. Or the topics were really technical to me. <laughs> what was it like transitioning back then in terms of being, as I said, a so, like utilizing social media and social media video specifically? Yeah, well, you know, it was interesting because I moved from a news career into a research company that was really immature when it came to 
social media came to any kind of production mm -hmm. value. I mean, just to give you an example of the type of company I worked for, we weren't allowed to use color in presentations and <laughs> stick figures. I'm not kidding. Mandated. They couldn't have feet it, in it. It, it was, was there a reason that for research, that? Uh, you know, there was, I'm sure there was some logic at the time, uh, you know, I, but it, no it is so many figures. archaic things, right? And I, you know, and I come in and, you know, I've run a website for a while, you know, I've been in the media for a while and, yeah. and I come in and they think I'm crazy, right? <laughs> and, and I'm just like, you don't do color. Like, <laughs> wouldn't it be easier to do a presentation if people had color, you know? And, right. and so that was the juxtaposition. And so I became really one of the people, and I'm not kidding. I actually had to win an argument to get color. And it was only three colors at the time into the a presentation. I'm, I'm dying to know now what the three. The, oh, I, I believe three. it was or, orange, blue, and black. Were, <laughs> black uh, black's one, color or white's a color. One of, one of them's not a color. The other one is a color, right? But, oh, uh, congratulations. So that, that, uh, that was the big win. It, it, and so I ended up just always kind of trying to push the envelope. And because I was working with researchy people, right? Uh, there were certain people that that resonated with. And those people helped sort of champion me through the, the, the organization to get out front. And that, yeah, that's, so, so that, was, that was the early metamorphosis. It was me going in an organization that was incredibly immature from a media perspective and trying to bring a, a, a more active, engaging approach to a state research organization. So it wasn't, wasn't a match made in heaven right off the bat. So how did you adapt? Uh, hard because I, I press hard and I don't stop uh, mm -hmm. when I want something and I'm up against a machine that's been running for a long time and is steeped with researchers who view color as the enemy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it was actually pretty hard. I, I ended up positioning myself into a growth area in middle market, uh, you know, CFOs and uh, I was able to literally just perform at a high level that they left me alone and I could do what I want. Got it. Got it. I remember, and this may not have been in 2010, but it was it was years ago. I can remember there was an element of fun that you were bringing then. I thought it was unusual only because, again, it was in relation to the topics you were covering, not you personally. And that, and I, I, I and I guess what I want to ask is. How were you able to weave that in literally because the content is the content um, and you have to deliver it. How were you able to do that and in essence make it fun? Well, that is an interesting story. So I, in my push to keep trying to make us a little more mature from a media perspective, I pushed for a weekly newscast of business. And my push got all the way up to a certain level where one of the, the heads of a business said, I like it, except okay. I want it to be funny. Oh, And I said, what? Mm -hmm. You want it to be funny? He, and we, had, we have a newsletter and everyone just clues into the little funny thing at the bottom of the newsletter. And that's what right. he hooked onto is funny gets, you know, listeners and, and yeah. viewers. And so he actually commissioned... Um, we bankrolled a 
business comedy show with me and a guy named Dan Carell. I remember this. And That's <laughs> what I remember. That was your partner. That, yep, yep, it was, yep. And he's really dry funny. And mm -hmm. we had a great time with it. Um, it was the anachronism of the organization, right? Because here's a, he's a research organization that doesn't believe in color. And suddenly, mm -hmm. you know, we found one sponsor who would allow us to do business comedy. And, uh, you know, I think we we called it the what, the Daily News Show. No, I yeah. can't remember that. And it was it was a blast. We did it for about eight months before senior marketing, you know, finally just pulled the plug and said, we don't like the branding. Is that what happened? OK, because I oh, yeah, never yeah. know with those sorts of things. But you had to deliver to an audience. So you're delivering high level presentations. So I was going to ask you kind of the difference now when you're delivering news back in years ago, back in the television days. It wasn't like it was 40 years ago, but it wasn't quite as loose as it is now in that regard. So you had to maintain somewhat of an aura. So now you're on social media and they're like, oh, you know what? We want you to be funny. Oh, and we want you to be funny with research. And so how were you able to up your game in regards to the presentation? Uh. And again, you know, I, I, I don't know. So I'll tell you what news trains you for is getting messages across in tight spaces, right? That's the whole game in, in, mm -hmm. in broadcast news, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, you go and you do a story, it's a five minute story, but you got a buck 10, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're like, you got to get rid of your, you know, you know, the phrase about, you know, getting rid of your puppies, right? You got to, right? uh, you know, sorry, people, you got to shoot your puppies is the thing, right? right? And, and, that, and, and that's, <laughs> That's pieces of the story, right? So your five minutes has to get down to a minute and 10. Mm -hmm. Now, in, in any communication environment, that's actually the key is to get things down to a concise frame mm -hmm. that someone else's brain can take it in and take that information, map it up against what that brain already knows and put it into context, right? So actually the disciplines transfer uh, very well. And, you know, I would end up running eight hour sessions uh, that were live in-person type sessions. And the entire eight hour session was made up of small chunks, right? Where mm -hmm. the entire thing was one major chunk. And I always say like, you always need an Uber story from a communicative perspective, right? And your Uber story is the heaven and hell, right? Okay. Heaven is where we get to if we do everything right. Hell is where we go if we do things wrong. And it's the distance between those that makes someone care. Mm. Right. And then once you have heaven and hell, then mm -hmm. you're going to layer in a three part framework. Right. Yeah. Because every the brain chunks in threes and fours. And so what, even for an eight hour session or a five minute session, it follows the same methodology. Uh, Uber story difference between heaven and hell. Here are the chunks. And then here's supporting pieces to the chunks. And then once you know that, right, you can communicate really to anyone. Now, there are more pieces to it, but that's in, in simple terms how we would go from eight hours to like three minutes, five minutes and, and add in humor. So as you now lay in the framework and you've got the content fit, at least fit as well as you're going to fit that five minutes of content into a buck 10, um, then you've got to deliver the information. Do you remember the way, because I was going to ask you, the way that you communicate 
now versus the way you communicated then? Are there any changes or has it always been a certain technique that you utilize, whether it's in person or on camera? You know, it's, it's, it definitely has changed, uh, but it's changed in just because I've become more accustomed to talking in, in many different formats, you know, whether it's like on stage or whether it's like, right. a, you know, a, on, in video or whether it's an eight hour presentation in front of 20 execs. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but the thing that it all comes down to, to me is communication is point of view. Now I know you're, mm -hmm. you know, voiceover, guy and, and you know there's inflections and there's pacing yeah. and there's a lot of things that go along with that and whenever i talk to anyone about presenting i say don't ever think about anything like that mm -hmm. think about point of view and mm -hmm. think about talking to five-year-olds in an audience uh, in a balcony and if you can you have strong points of view you know the uber story and you have a frame that point of view will infuse your pacing it will infuse your inflection and so the, to me, the thing that I've always tried to get to, because I was never a natural speaker, I had to learn. Um, really? Was, oh yeah, yeah, John, I mean, a long story, but uh, you know, I grew up with stage fright. So I had to force myself. I didn't know that, man. Through, okay. through frames to be able to actually communicate at the level I wanted to do it. And I so, love, I'm sorry about, but I love knowing it. That's great, man. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it is what it is, but, uh, you know, it forced me to get very formulaic. Right. Not really, and it's not really a formula because it really comes down to your, if you have a strong point of view, if you mm -hmm. know what heaven and hell is and you mm -hmm. care about the other person, right, you're going to yep. communicate really well. And if you know where they are and you know heaven and hell and you know, you know, and you know the three things that matter, Man, like I've I've taught uh, streetwise, which are people who've been in prison or, or mm -hmm. really you know, like on a tough comeback trail, and they have no self esteem. And I've worked with them, and within an hour, I can get them up talking in front of an audience and have everyone cheer, you right? See, and right. and you could do that because once they attach, right? You have a point of view, mm -hmm. and you have a three part framework, uh, and you know your Uber story. Man, it's it's tough to not communicate well. So that. And, and not everything is a three-part framework and blah, blah, blah. But point of view, knowledge of terrain, I think has always been important. And one of the things that I learned as a news anchor is really to up, like you really have to have a different point of view in every story or you just sound like a reader. Yes. You don't know, you don't need somebody, right? You need a robot if you don't have a point of view. Well, that applies in sales presentations. I remember that. Like, so whether it was Tribune or Univision for me, and I remember nobody, and I mean, nobody wanted their sales presentation read out loud. I watched it. It would drive me insane. You mm -hmm. knew the difference. And so that's one of the things, I, that's why I wanted to talk to you. One, that's one of the things that you said, that that sense of creating the blueprint so that you can be authentic. And yeah, exactly. Not, right. And it's not manipulated. It's not. And that's one of the things like people have asked me, is this manipulation? And I'm like, not really. No, this is knowing your stuff cold. As you said, having the point of view, having the layers in so that you have such a strong foundation that you can speak much more authentically or from the heart, and you don't sound like an announcer. You asked me at the beginning, you know, do you want to be conversational? I laugh because nobody wants to hear an announcer in voiceover. Nobody. And I get it. Yeah. 
you know, because that sounds like you're telling somebody what to do and or that you've got more insight than them. And I'll tell you so what you need to do, and, you know, and, and people bristle from that. So that sense of being able to create your own authenticity, I, I, I find fantastic. Um, and I really appreciate you sharing that. I want to jump to a new feature that you've created, Mind Espressos. And by the way, I'm embarrassed to say, Scott, I still want to keep putting an X in it. I like. I thought I was reasonably intelligent, and I'm like, Mind Express. I'm like, no. Um, so Mind Espresso. I like it. Right. Oh, you shouldn't. But, but you. So on social media is where I'm seeing these condensed pieces of information, but a lot of information. But what I was going to say in the way that you present it, looser, more fun, but a ton of substance. And there was two points that I wanted to, uh, to I could go through a thousand of them, but I wanted to center on two. I just liked them a whole lot. Um, and one of them, you were referring to an author, Stephen Hurst, and his book, mm. Don't Take Yes for an Answer. And you were talking about this sense of charisma and what makes a great speaker and the connectivity. And you brought up a framework. Mind sharing about that a little bit? Well, there, there were two frameworks I brought up in that Mind Espresso. One was mine and one was his, right? His is the awe framework. And um, the, the awe is authority, warmth, and energy. And th there's a book that Steve had read that I had read uh, a, a few years back by Cobain. It was called The Charisma Myth. Got it. And in it, it's in the charisma myth, what they explored was this idea that charisma is innate and it's not right. It's this combination of things. And what Steve was able to do, because Steve has worked in broadcast media for years as an agent mm -hmm. and he's coached a lot of different people. He distilled it down to the awe framework, the authority, right? Because people right. need to know they're being well led, right? And, and mm -hmm. that's the one thing I would say about manipulation that I've always argued with people. I said, well, you know, uh, to be honest, anytime I speak, there's a little manipulation going on. I'm taking you through a framework that's going to change your mental frame. So however you want to define manipulation, yeah, um, right. you know, it could fit it. But authority is am, is this, this person knowledgeable? Mm -hmm. And do they have mastery enough that I want to listen to you? Right. Mm -hmm. Then warmth is like the big thing that people miss, right? Warmth is, do I care about you? And I always say to people that, you know, they're, they're trying to speak to. And I say, if you are trying to speak and they're, so you're we great, just, by the way, I love it. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So if you're trying to do it, if that's you're Austin, trying to speak, right? yeah, it's Austin. Yay. That's Austin working on her public speaking. Nice. Um, the big thing uh, with warmth is, you know, if you are trying to, you know, communicate with someone, they need to know that you care about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that was just closing the door on the screaming kid. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, if you're listening to someone and, and they're right. not warm, and mm -hmm. they don't, and like, if they don't have authority, mm -hmm. you don't care, right? Mm -hmm. And if they don't have warmth, you're not going to connect to them. Mm -hmm. And then the third part of that is energy, right? Uh -huh. You've got to be the energy creator. Mm -hmm. And that energy creator thing is so important because that's the thing that separates someone who can make you want to do something, right? Because mm -hmm. if you think about what speaking really is and good speaking, it's nothing right. about like the way you speak or what. It's, it's can you get someone to a better place? Absolutely. Like I, 
Mm -hmm. It's it's and the way if I start talking about people, especially working in sales, like your job is to get them not to sell them something. Your job is to get them to a better place. Yep. And so if you think about where they are, where they need to go, what they don't know, and what they need to know, and and that is the journey. Your job is to help someone along in that journey, and to do that. You need to have the energy connected with the caring, connected with the mastery of, of your, your terrain slash domain. I love that. And by the way, as I said, I loved the way that you clarified manipulation. I get that because the fact of the matter is that you're counting on the person that's presenting to get you almost like if you're riding in a car with somebody, you're going to hope they know how to get there, uh, that it shouldn't all be a brand new experience. I don't want to be manipulated. Uh, I are, Do you know where we're going? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, then I'll go with you. And as you said, the warmth, the empathy and the energy. You said something. And I'm wondering if this is where you say there was two POVs. One was. Stephen Harris, and one was yours. So I remember, and if this was another post, but I remember you and I, the point that really resonated to me, which is why I reached out to you specifically, you were using a term called pragmatic optimism. Oh, and, different one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I somehow was tying that sense of this point, but I want to, before I get to that, Put your framework in, if you don't mind. You said there was two points of view, so we we went through. Yeah, I mean, and, and the other one is uh, is is a little bit what I'm talking about. You need to know your heaven and hell, right? That's your yeah. Yeah. that's 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 the uber story that you mm -hmm. need, the and then you need to have mastery of your terrain, right? Mm -hmm. Which is you need to know the three big things that matter, the three big things that people don't really understand, and the three things that you know that can can help them there. And then you have to have strong point of view, um, with, and, and it aligns pretty well with the off framework, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the, I, I kind of touched on it before, but that's the the, the big thing. And you know, I, I could do that with any audience, and I could take someone who's never been a good speaker ever, and in forty five minutes they can get it across. Why? Because they care, right? And, and my favorite thing is to ask, like, you know, you ask someone about, hey, what's going to work? They're like, well, you know. Uh, we did something pretty good last week and we hit our sales number. And then I'll say something like, yeah, well, what's going on with uh, your family or your friends? Like, oh, my God. I just oh, my God. I had concert. this and did that, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Two different, and I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, that second thing is the thing you need, right? <laughs> That's the point of it, right? <laughs> and too many people bring to, you know, a sales conversation right. or a business conversation dry logic and that doesn't move people. Metaphors move people. Visuals move people. Emotion moves people. Mm -hmm. And connectivity. I yeah. love the way you said it. Look, part of what I do, and, and I've been grateful enough to experience, yes, there's definite connections to the way that you speak and how you open your mouth and, and volume and pitch and tone and pacing and what have you. But anybody, I'm convinced anybody, you just talked about it, um, can deliver a killer presentation. Anybody. I don't know. I know of too many way strong presenters and not every one of them had, oh, oh, their voice was beautiful. It, it, it doesn't even matter after no. a while. It's the emotion. No one's paying attention to that really. Um, and it's funny because like I said, in it, what I'm learning is in voiceover, you're getting pushed back when you're sounding too pretty and too perfect. 
Mm. They're like, oh, see, no, we don't want that because nobody sounds like that. So I, this is the connection that I'm saying, is that ability to be able to transport yourself into a place where you are so connected to your audience, that yeah. the way that you're speaking to them is the way that you're speaking, like I said, you're speaking with your daughter, or the way that you're speaking with Heather, or the way that I'm speaking with my family, or, you know, it, it's that sense, and the message resonates. It just does. And then I wanted to touch on another, and this is another that I loved, and it was the effects of voice and speech. Um, that chemical reaction mm, you were alluding yeah. to, and you talked about the term pragmatic optimism as the way of positive and negative. Do you remember that? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there are two different ones, right? One is, mm -hmm. um, was about managing someone's brain chemistry. And, yes. you know, anytime you're in a conversation with someone, there's, there's a, a, Christine Comerford talks about this, which I really like, which is, you know, you're actually, if you think about it as managing someone's brain, right, you're going to release chemicals in their brain. So if you are highly critical, negative, right, you're going to, you're going to, you know, you're not going to be releasing oxytocin, right? You're going right. to release an adrenaline, mm -hmm. uh, cortisol, mm -hmm. and it's literally going to mess with their brain and, and screw them up. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happens if, you know, you're talking in, you know, positive terms with someone, then you can release oxytocin and dopamine and some of the other good chemicals of the brain. Now, the the piece that you're talking about with positive framing mm -hmm. uh, goes back to Sean Acor, who's the guy who wrote The Happiness Advantage. And what Sean nice. talked about, was you need to choose your most positive frame because that will set you up. And one of the, the things I love is that, you know, Sean talks about the fact that you manifest before. So if I have a positive thought, I start experiencing that before. And if I have a negative thought, I start experiencing it before it happens. So I could be worried about going on stage, right? Mm -hmm. And just the fact of me worrying starts to make me physically different. Mm -hmm. And if I'm enthusiastic, that makes a huge difference, right? Because it changes the chemistry of your brain and it will change the way you, your, your mind tells the story, right? So the positive frame is set yourself up for a positive outcome. And, and a lot of people focus on trying to get rid of the negatives. And we hope if we focus on the negatives, they'll go away. And what we do is we actually manifest the negatives, right? We bring and them on. Grow. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, they get bigger, right? Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, it's okay to face your fears and be mm -hmm. pragmatic about it, right? Uh, but pragmatic optimism is choose the most optimistic, useful frame, mm -hmm. and you put your brain in the right mode to go anywhere. But it also matters in a relationship, right? If you're in a relationship with somebody, and they're bringing uh, pessimism into the relationship, mm -hmm. they're going to bring you down, right? It's that that story of the lobsters, right? In a lobster pot, right? none of the lobsters want the other lobster to survive, so they mm -hmm. all make sure we all die together in a mm -hmm. boiling vat of water. Um, and that's what happens when you get caught in that negativity cycle. Okay, so you know I didn't know that story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little sad. Anyway, go ahead. Um, yeah, a, <laughs> so puppies and a, lobsters. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just uh, it's, <laughs> animal cruelties right around right, the corner. Uh, that's okay. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, and I love it because it's like, and, and Sean's great because he's like, look, mm -hmm. You're not you're not denying the reality of a situation by right. being a pragmatic optimist or choosing mm -hmm. the optimistic framework. Um, what you're doing is choosing the most useful way to, for you to think about where you're going, so that your mind can process at the right level. Because the, the mind actually works best in what's called a slight reward state, right? Mm -hmm. um, which means you're not wildly optimistic. You're a tad optimistic, and you know you got to do hard work. That's where the mind works the best. 
I love it. I, that, that to me gives me and I would think our listeners hope in that sense of what you're going to be able to overcome, whether you brought up in relationships too. This is to me, all of this is about eliminating distractions or miscommunication. And, and that's where I, I believe there's so much that could be done. And it's not overly complicated. And you don't have to get bogged down in minutia to get this right and increase the nerves. But you can put yourself in such a great place that, that as I said, your voice is going to take off and you're going to get the results that you need. Um, I have one more question for you, man, which is, is this. I re, you were talking about, in, in, another, in another post and you were talking about these this, this grouping of, of principles. Now, I remember the book, The Ten Secrets of Father's Last Gift. And... <laughs> Oh, and I'm a proud owner and a proud reader. Oh, and a proud reviewer. And so I was loving the post recently where you were talking about the things like happiness has a point of view and happiness is simple and happiness requires work. And you bundled all of these into this book. Got a question for you because I just was thinking about that before too. Somewhat related. Look, you're a dad now. You've got a three-year-old daughter. Um, and speaking of father at this point, so... With your daughter, what are some of the things that you hope you'll be able to do in regards to helping Austin communicate? Yeah, great question. Uh, so it, we do a lot of coaching with Austin. Um, mm -hmm. And so we don't do a lot of yelling or anything mm -hmm. like that. You know, we, we treat her like she's got a thinking brain because in Philly, uh, actually, this, I'll credit Dr. Myrna Shore, oh, nice. uh, who wrote Raising a Thinking Child, and she's mm -hmm. been on Oprah, uh, blah, blah, blah. But she, you know, really taught me about social emotional intelligence learning in children and how important it is for kids to be able to think through problems. And so we present things to Austin in terms of problems for the most part. You know, I mean, certainly it's like, stop doing that, right? Yeah, that's, um, that's you're, another you're, problem. You're about to kill yourself, don't do it. Right. But I mean, so the my hope is that she has an optimistic frame, optimistic but pragmatic frame mm -hmm. and learns to think through issues and understand that you know her emotional state right is part of choice right and that she will choose to stay in the one you know when she has decisions that is going to be most helpful when dad and mom aren't there right which is mm -hmm. ultimately what parenting is is yeah. helping a kid prepare for when they're not there right mm -hmm. so um and we always make sure that she's she's cognizant of other people around her so those are the things that we we work on with her with some success some not success it's been much harder with COVID. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, right. Um, and it's like, and hopefully, hopefully, who knows when, and hopefully that there'll be a little more in, in regards to a little less togetherness, so to speak. Um, and maybe that'll, that'll help things. But it's an amazing thing that you just said, because that would resonate with an adult too. And I think that's one of the Absolutely. really cool things. Yeah. This sliding scale of you don't have to wait till you're a certain age to do something or communicate a certain way or adjust or respond. This is, like I said, again, you got a three-year-old kid and, and this could be tied to one of your CEOs that you're coaching or one of the salespeople that I'm working with. Uh, it, it, it's great. Scott Angler, it is an absolute pleasure to be with you, man. And I'm very grateful that you showed up today. I really that was am. fun, John. Thanks for having me on, man. Dude. And uh, really, really enjoy following your progress. 
Oh my God. Um, it's great to see someone who's so inspirational and working so hard, right? And you know, it's, it's hard to do new things. You know what? And you remind me of that, and I'm grateful. So I lean into the energy. You brought it up before. That's, that energy I, I gravitate toward because I have to be very selective in regards to the people that I gravitate toward. And you're absolutely one of them. So thank you again, man. And folks, you've just listened to another episode of Your Message Received. We are thrilled to have you, and we will keep coming back. We'll help you find your business voice. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of other places. Tell your friends, tell your family, like, share, subscribe. John Duffin here from Duffin Media. And yeah, we'll keep running your voiceovers to the finish. And thanks so much for tuning in to Your Message Received. We'll talk soon. Thanks. And now, making its way across the finish line, Your Message Received has been a production of Duffin Media.